Good morning. Would you, would you please stand as we begin worship this morning? opening scripture this morning is out of 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and verses 5. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Amen.
Thank you guys. Hey, good morning. I'm glad to see a full house this morning and ready to worship our Savior together today. Uh, go with me in prayer and we'll, we'll open in prayer and then we can have our welcoming time today. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, God, just for today and the ability to be here this morning, Lord, to worship you in, in song, uh, in giving, Lord, and, and uh, to preaching and teaching of your word today, God. And so in all things, Lord, we love you. We worship you. Uh, uh, Lord, I, I pray for the ones that are traveling today. Uh, Lord, keep them safe and uh, Lord, just just get us excited today about your word and who you are. And um, God, let us enter this service today just thankful, Lord, a thankfulness for, for what you did for us on the cross, that we do have victory that's found uh, only in you. Without you, Lord, we're not here this morning. And so, Lord, let us worship you today uh, because of that and, and because of what you did for us on the cross and because who you are. In all things, God, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray, amen. Take a couple of minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone.
Thank you, guys. I would like, you may be seated this morning. We are going to pass out uh, a couple of things that are extremely, extremely important uh, to our church. And so, Dave, would you come up here? He's got, we got two disciples, we got three discipleship uh, certificates to pass out. Let's start with Dave this morning. And Trey, you can go ahead and make your way up here uh, if you want to, Trey, uh, on the other one. Dave's got a couple and Trey's got a couple. Thank you, buddy. Hello. Sorry, I've got a cold, so um, I need Danny and Cody to come up here, please. They love being put on the spot, so. All right, so this has been, oh my gosh, almost a year in the making because of lots of things. Um, these guys have endured, they have grown, um, I'll try not to cry, but they have come a long way in growing and knowing Christ when because of softball they showed up at cross bridge because of softball then they were saved and then um, yeah but uh, then we talked about the importance of membership and so they took a, a break on doing membership class and so that put us out a few more months and then the holidays and all the things but these guys always endured and had tons of questions and just learn and grown, and I am so proud and excited to see what they're going to do for their family soon to be as leaders of their household in Christ. So Amen. I would I would handshake them, give them a hug for their accomplishment because it's huge. Thank Amen. You. Thank you, Dave. Hey, you guys want to say anything? Come on, fellas. We got we got a a basketball coach here, and we got a race car driver here. So, all right, coach. Um. You know, I when we first started discipleship, I, I was lost. I was still lost, and and it was my it was my introduction to kind of what Christianity was and what church was. And Dave took every single question I had, and and took it on full head of steam and answered every single tough question I had. It was and, not easy. <laughs> and uh, you know, I couldn't I couldn't be any more appreciative of Dave. He's uh, he's done a lot for me. So I thank you, and I love Dave. And, just thank you. <laughs> you got to now. <laughs> um, yeah, big thanks to Dave for sure and softball for getting both of us here and Cody. Um, big thanks for him for sticking with me through all of it and me sticking with him because he is the question asker. <laughs> Very many questions. And um Proud of him because before this he would never come up here and talk in front of any of you guys. So congrats to him and thanks to all you guys for taking on all the questions and stuff and just thank you and love everybody here. Amen. Thank you guys. Thank you guys.
Hey, did we win the softball game Monday? Did we win the so Oh, that's right. It was canceled. Right. Rain out. Okay, okay. I want to report back on that. Okay, Trey, you're up. Sean, you want to come up? So I'd just like to say thank you to Crossbridge and Freeway for making this possible because without Crossbridge and Freeway, then we wouldn't be able to, to disciple each other. And so I just want to commend Sean for being humble and being teachable and remaining that way through the entire lesson. And so for any of you, I know people come up here week after week and say that discipleship is a must. It's a must, but, and it is, but it's not just about sitting down going out to eat with somebody once a week or just sitting down in the church. It's about being a part of somebody's life. It's about building relationships. It's about uh, being an actual chapter in that person's life and pouring into them and going over the word of God. So if you have not done discipleship, I highly recommend it because this is life-changing if you can't tell. So, Sean? So uh, a lot of you guys know Trey was the house leader when I first came in, and uh, I didn't really get along with him too well. <laughs> uh, he, he disciplined me a couple of times. I, I really didn't like him at first. But uh, through this discipleship, man, we've grown as brothers. I have the pleasure of working with Trey and uh, – he not only leads me in discipleship lessons, but at work, he tries to correct my behavior as well. Uh, he's, a, he's a memory verse Nazi. Uh, every week when we started discipleship, he'd be like, uh, where, what are your memory verses? Go ahead, go ahead, spit them out for me. So he, he's helped me grow, and he's uh, helped me come a long way in my walk with God, and I'd just like to thank him. Thanks, fellas. So one of the most important uh, things, uh, guys, as a, as a church body is making disciples. So that's like we're commanded not just to share the gospel with people, but uh, when someone has uh, professed Jesus as their Lord and Savior, to then meet with them and teach them. And so we have an active discipleship program. It's, it's 14, I don't even like to say weeks anymore. Uh, as you can hear, it's a lot longer than 14 weeks. Uh, it's 14 lessons. Um, and so we, we, it just basically goes through, hey, what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? What does that look like in your life? How do you deal with sin? How do you deal with other Christians? How do you just, um, just everything. Um, it, it talks about, and so you, you, you do build these strong relationships. If you've ever decided, if you haven't uh, ever discipled someone, I encourage you uh, to get into that. If you've never met and been discipled uh, by someone, I encourage you to come and talk to, to one of the elders here. And we have a list that we go through and pair people up and we try to pair you up uh, where you can go through discipleship. It, it's just one of the most important things uh, of the church is to raise up. It, it is, it's what we're supposed to do as followers of Christ is to share the gospel and do that. So, All right, so good job, guys. Thank you. Uh, here is um, uh, they handed me a new schedule on softball, um, which obviously it's made an impact, right, uh, playing softball. Uh, and so 545, Tommy said, tomorrow night, 545. Uh, on Monday for softball this week, if you want to go. we pass this out one more week, Valerie. Oh, this is the last time, ladies, if you haven't signed up for the women's ministry getaway. It's April 22nd and 23rd in Joplin, Missouri. The cost is $55. Looks like we got about 15 of you signed up so far. I'm going to start it on this side. Uh, if $55 is an issue for anyone, please just come and tell me. It, should, it, it won't be, okay? So we'll make sure, church will make sure that anybody who wants to go on this uh, can go on this. So uh, there's that. Women's, uh, 
Let's see here. Women of Easter, Thursday at 6 p.m. this week. Tuesday morning, 8.30 a.m. at Mom's Cafe, ladies. Uh, and then, of course, the women's ministry. Wednesday night, I, you know, we did this uh, a few months ago. And I told you we were going to do it again. I think it's a great week to do it. Wednesday night, all of us are going to meet upstairs, uh, if we can, and we're going to have a special pr time of prayer uh, with one another. We'll go over our prayer list. Um, we did this about a quarter, I don't know, a few months ago, and it went really, really good. Uh, if, if the classes still want to meet, that's okay, too. If you want to come up here for a night of prayer, um, just come. We're not going to have a regular Wednesday night Bible study this week. We're going to get in groups, and we're going to pray for one another, and pray for the church, and uh, pray for the world and pray for individual prayer requests and we're just going to spend time uh, together in prayer this week. So that'll be this Wednesday at 6.45 upstairs. Um, at 6 o'clock we have dinner. So maybe you've never came on Wednesday night. We have a great time of fellowship with one another. So we have cooking teams that cook like amazing meals. I don't know how else to put it besides it's not like a sandwich. It's like a full course meal like that we eat on Wednesday nights together. And so we have these cooking teams that cook. Uh, there'll be a team that's cooking this Wednesday night, and we'll have dinner with one another at 6, and then we'll come upstairs. Uh, we will still have youth classes and children's classes and all of that um, this Wednesday night like normal. They, we will have men's Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock uh, here at the church, so that still, still is going on. And then just another reminder, next Sunday uh, is the first Sunday of April. <clears throat> a couple of things. We'll have Family Sunday, and just so you know about Family Sunday... Everybody stays in worship service together, and we take communion uh, with one another um, next Sunday, uh, and I have a children's sermon. It's also the start of our new members class, so maybe you've been coming to Crossbridge for a while, and you want to be a part of the new member class. That starts uh, next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. We're going to have it downstairs. Next Sunday morning at 9 a.m., downstairs in the kitchen area uh, is when we'll have the new member class, so please come and see me. Uh, I, I really like it if, if you want to be a part of the body for you to come up and tell the church that in front of the church. It's important during the invitation uh, at the end of the service that you make that known to our congregation that you want to be a part of this body of believers because that's encouraging, that's uplifting because that's, that's a goal is that we should uh, be in fellowship with one another. Easter is going to be here before we know it. So Friday night, April 15th is the Good Friday service. So we have a Good Friday service every year. It's at 6 o'clock. There'll be an Easter egg hunt to follow for the kids uh, right here at the church. It's a great night. I love the service every year because uh, we, it, it's, a, it's a day that we're remembering Jesus' death on the cross for us and what he did for us. And so um, I, I encourage you to come. Six o'clock, we'll take communion with one another. We'll, we'll uh, take the Lord's Supper that night as well. And then Easter Sunday is April 17th this year. Uh, sunrise service will be at 7.30 a.m. We'll have a sunrise service. While that sunrise service is going on, the men of the church are going to be downstairs cooking breakfast for everybody. Um, so after the sunrise service at 8 a.m., we'll go downstairs and eat. And then we have normal services like normal uh, the rest of the day, 9 o'clock Sunday school, um, and then 10 o'clock worship on Easter morning. So I encourage you um, to get involved uh, for Easter, Easter morning. Uh, the other thing. Max, Max and Carol are traveling today, so we were going to have a business meeting. We're going to put that off just a couple of weeks. I'll update you uh, when they get back. There's some things we're working on for that business meeting. So no business meeting today. I announced that last week. Um, we do have financial statements available out on the table uh, from last month. So if anyone wants a copy of the financial statements, those are definitely readily, readily available to you. Uh, anybody else have anything that I forgot this morning?
Yes, Denny. to 5.30 here at the church. They still have men's discipleship going on here at the church. And then at 5.30, usually they start eating. I think they have a meal. I think it's kind of grown from a snack to a meal is what I was told uh, on Sunday evening, fellas. The girls go out to breakfast every week, right? We're going to eat on Sunday night, fellas, okay? So, um, yeah, at 4.30 to 5.30 is discipleship and then a meal and class uh, after that, guys, uh, tonight. So anything else? Yeah, Tammy. Your cr- the craft. Yes, yes. Where's my announcement? I, I had that down here, Tammy. There, here it is. Okay. Sunshine and Daisy's Craft and Gift Festival is April 2nd from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. There's going to be a silent auction at this that's going to benefit Marshfield, uh, our freeway uh, ministry. And you can also bring diapers to be donated to Choices Pregnancy Center. Uh, where is it? It's at the MAC building, right across at the Marshfield uh Community building, the Mac building at 110 Commercial Street from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. on April 2nd. If you got questions, please see Tammy. She just waved at me there. There you go. Uh, so, anything else this morning on announcements? I am forgetful. Senior Sunday. Yeah, that'll be here before we know it. Senior Sunday's May 1st. Um, let Jeannie Donaldson or, or Jessica Stowe know. Uh, also, on pictures for that, I'm sure we'll want to have pictures if you have a senior uh, this year. That's graduating. So, anything else? Yes. Okay, so the the trip, the ladies' trip. Next Sunday, right after church, they're going to have a meeting for the ladies that have signed up for the Joplin trip, uh, the, the women's getaway. Anything else? Yes. Yes, he sent me that text. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me. Um, I, I got the text, I don't have my phone on me, but Hudson's surgery went great on Thursday. They got the tumor out, um, he's, he, he was able to leave the hospital, he's going to be going back for some follow-up chemo, um, and so we'll obviously keep praying for him, but he looks good, I think the family's doing good, that's a huge answered prayer. I, I, this should have reminded me, because I've been wearing this for Hudson, right? Uh, but keep praying for little Hudson, uh, for sure. It, thank you for reminding me. Anything else? Okay, if you would stand this morning, let's take up our morning offering and and pray together uh, before we worship and jump into God's word together. So let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer today. Lord Jesus, again, we come to you. And what an answered prayer. Thank you, Lord, for having Bobby remind me that an uh, an amazing week for uh, Hudson and his family, Lord, that this tumor was completely removed and taken out. And that's a huge answered prayer that we've been praying for. Uh, Lord, I thank you for that. I I pray for him as he is going to be going through the chemo. Uh, Lord, uh, and, and he just completely is healed, and he can get back to being a, a little young man, a, a, a child to enjoy his childhood. And that's an answered prayer, God, and we lift that up to you, and we thank you, Lord, for that, for that answered prayer. Uh, God, as we enter our time of worship today, Lord, we do want to worship you. We want to worship you in song, in studying of your word, and by giving, Lord. And today, I, I pray uh, that, that our giving will, uh, Lord, be joyful, and you will use it to further your kingdom. People will be reached around the world. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful this morning for the discipleship certificates that were handed out. There's, sometimes we think there's so many negatives in this world, but we'll have so many positives. And I love my church family, and I'm thankful, Lord, this morning to be here. I'm thankful for those discipleship certificates that were passed out. God, we love you. We worship you today. In your name I pray. Amen.
Thank you, guys. You may be turn, uh, turning your Bibles, if you would, to 1 John chapter 3. The second grade and below, if they want to go downstairs to Children's Church, they can do that. 1 John 3, 1 through 10. I know we have several babies in our congregation now, and if your child starts screaming during the sermon, please don't worry about it. I love babies. I'm not going to have any more in my house till I have grandkids one day, so I don't mind them. 1 John 3, 1 through 10. I want to say while you're turning there, uh, it's been a good week, guys, for me in ministry uh, as far as, um, it's been a good week and a, and a rough week, I'll just be honest with you. Last Sunday night, the good part, I had the opportunity to go to an ordination council uh, in Springfield at Golden Avenue Baptist Church, and a lot of you, some of you went last weekend, uh, and they ordained Kyle uh, Grosinger, our, our old, the reason why we don't have anybody playing the drums right now is because Kyle um, is now the discipleship pastor and outreach pastor at Golden Avenue Baptist Church in Springfield. So uh, that's, a, that's an awesome testimony of um, us sending people out to do ministry and to affect the kingdom. And that's what the local church should do. Uh, this week, Selena and I flew to uh, Rapid City, South Dakota uh, on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And we got to witness Mike Estelle, uh, our old youth pastor, uh, who is now uh, in charge of the associate pastor at a Baptist church called Mercy Gate in, in Rapid City, uh, Mary, do the service for his son who got married uh, on Thursday. And so uh, it, was, it was a great week, and I think I wanted to share that because without the faithfulness of this body of believers in discipleship and evangelism, uh, they wouldn't be where they are. Uh, and those are just examples of uh, the faithfulness of this body of believers sending people out into the mission field, and that's exactly uh, what we're supposed to do. And that should be at the forefront of our goals is sending uh, them out. And I was, I was, I'm thankful to report back that that uh, that that happened this week. And so, what a great week! So let's jump into to First John three uh, one through ten this morning. It says this: First John three one through ten. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now and we will be, we will be has not yet appeared. What we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practice, practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or know him. known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, today again, I thank you for your word, Lord. It's a challenging set of verses, Lord. It's been challenging for me this week. Um, as I, sometimes I want to handle things in the flesh. And 
uh, Lord, it's just been challenging. And so, Lord, I, I pray today that we be uplifted, that we be challenged um, and encouraged, and, and Lord, to remain true in love for one another and love for you. Uh, God, and, and that we don't practice lawlessness, that, we, um, we, that we're different. Uh, we, how we handle things is just different, uh, uh, Lord, because you're in us. And so, Lord, we love you. We worship you today. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I want to cover, uh, going through First uh, John 3 here, it, it is in the first verse, in the first part of the verse, where it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God, so we are. Just in half of that verse there, there is an amazing scriptural truth that God's love is not based on us, on our own human merit, or anything that we've done. It is in His love that has justified us. That we should be called children of God, it's because of His love. So from the very beginning with Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden, man has had a major problem that has separated us from God. And that's sin. Sin has separated us from God. Why? Because he is holy and perfect. And the verses tell us that he is, there is no sin in him. And we are sinful. Colossians 1.21 says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Alienated is separated. We're alienated from God. Hebrews 7.26 says, For it is indeed fitting that we should set... We should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. So because of our sin, because we've sinned and our sin has violated a holy God, there is a separation. And only, if you go back to the first verse, only by the love of God, while we were still in sin, still sinners, are we now able to be called his children. Now that's, the, that's a kind of love that's hard for me to explain to you this morning. It's hard for me to even fathom that, uh, that, that Romans 5, 8, what it says, that God showed his love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's hard to explain, that amount of love. And I can't do it justice, I just can't. But it's an amazing thing that you don't have to clean yourself up first to be called his child. You don't have to read through the Bible ten times or jump through a bunch of religious hoops or give a bunch of money or, or, or say a bunch of prayers or attend a bunch of church services and you got to check all these boxes first. No, his love was shown to us while we were still sinners, while we were in our sin rejecting who he was. That's the kind of love that it's hard for me to fathom. It's hard for me to explain. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've had a cold this week too, uh, Dave. I know Dave said he has. I've had one. God's great love and work on the cross now paid the sin debt that we owe because of our sin. We now have eternal life strictly based on what? His love. His love for us and what he was willing to do for us on the cross. It's, it's as a father who has kids, it's hard to explain the love that you have for your children. From the moment that they're born and you're in there, you just love them. And you can't explain why. You just, you just have this love for your children and you care for them. And you want to raise them right and you want to teach them right. Um, and, and, and they're your child from the very beginning, from the very moment, right? But think of this. 
God's love happened while we were against him. God's, God loved us while we were in our sin, rejecting him because of our sin. It literally just blows my mind to think of that kind of love. That kind of love. Because of his love for us dying on the cross, when we believe on him and confess him as Lord and Savior, now we're adopted in as one of his children. John 1.12 says that, that to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's amazing that the creator of the universe, I'm a child of his because of what Jesus did on the cross. Galatians 3.26 says, for in Christ Jesus you were all sons of God through faith. So because of this adoption, because of what Jesus did, there is a clear separation that John now addresses in this passage from those who are the children of God and those who aren't. And the, in the second part of John 3, 1, my second point is, I, I titled, I don't know really how to title it, but I said, who, they are, who are they? Who are they? And it says, the reason why the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. I got to thinking about this point and, and, and thinking about what John was saying about how the world doesn't know us. And I don't know why it took me here, but I just immediately thought of Roswell, New Mexico for some reason. I don't know why. But how many of you have ever been to Roswell, New Mexico? Or, or uh, okay, several of you have. I never have, but what is Roswell, New Mexico famous for? Anybody know? Huh? Okay, UFOs, right? Uh, supposedly, and I did a, when I thought of this, I'm like, well, I need to f- get some context behind it a little bit. But supposedly in the summer of 1947 is when this happened, an object crashed in the area uh, that people claimed to be was alien spacecraft and that the government cleaned it up. And for decades now after that, movies have been made uh, about aliens and all this. And, and many of them follow this theme uh, that aliens will land and live amongst the people, and people really don't know that they're aliens. I mean, you ever you ever met somebody and thought, there's no way that person is from... <laughs> right? Uh, but let me say today, um, let me say emphatically, I do believe in aliens. Let me clarify that. Not ones from other galaxies, but Bible-believing Christians living out their faith in such a way that people think they're aliens, they're foreigners, they're crazy. And I think that's exactly what John was saying here. He's saying that people should not understand us or know us because Christ has so radically changed us that we are strangers in this world. That's a theme here, and that's what he says. The reason why the world doesn't know us is it didn't know him. And because we're children of God, and he knows us, and they don't know him, so they're not going to know us. But this is a theme that John has talked about uh, as we've went through this. If you go back one chapter to chapter 2, in verses 15 uh, through 17, 
it kind of it's kind of the same thing. It says, "Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, those are sin, right? Those are the three categories of sin. We just talked about that discipleship this morning. Uh, is it, it, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is of the world." And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So there's a separation between those who are of the world and those who are followers of Christ. So we look different. So because we're not of the world, listen, because we're not of the world, people have a hard time dealing with biblical Christians. They have a hard time understanding Sometimes biblical Christians. Because he's radically changed us. And we look different. And people say, who are these people? Why do they they make decisions like they do? Why do they treat people when they shouldn't treat them with kindness? Why do they treat them with kindness? Why why are they so different? Why? Because our, our home, right? We're aliens. is not here on earth anymore. Our home is not here. We're not living for this. We're not living for the world. We're living for heaven. So the reason why they don't know us is why? Because God's children now have the Holy Spirit. And our actions are so radically different from that in the way the world handles things. So how does the world handle conflict? I started thinking about this this week. Well, when there's conflict in the world, what happens? Well, if it's major conflict... People get murdered over that. People kill one another over conflict. The world will slander. They'll mock murder. How do children of God handle conflict? What does Jesus say? Pray for your enemies. Love them. That's radically different than how the world handles things. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Here's the example that we have. And I'm focusing on this this morning because this is a major difference in how believers, what Christ has done in us and his love has changed us in how we handle things compared to the world. Matthew 5, 39 through 48. Jesus issues this major, major challenge here. And he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. How many of us like that part and would like to just stop right there? Let's be honest. Let's get them, an eye for an eye, right? But I say to you, Jesus says, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Anybody have a problem doing that sometimes? But if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, Let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile with him, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be be sons of your Father who is in heaven." For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? 
Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Whew. Wow. Wow. How in the world can I do that? How in the world can I do that? I can't do that in my own flesh. No way. No way. No way. How can I do that? Who's the example? Jesus. What we just talked about. He went to the cross and showed love while people hated him. While people were rejecting him. He went to the cross while we were his enemies. Who is the example? It's not me. It's Jesus. We can't do this on our own. I want to share with you one of the most misquoted verses in all of Scripture. And I think it's fitting for what we're talking about right now. It's Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Listen, the context of this verse is not winning a basketball game. It's not hitting the shot. It's not passing a test at school. It's not getting a new job. What's the context? Paul is in prison, suffering for being a child of God. Suffering for living out his faith. And what does he say? Endure the suffering. I can endure the loss only through Christ. If you try to endure the loss on your own, you know what's going to happen when somebody slaps you across the cheek? You're going to give them a left hook. If you, try, if you do it through Christ, you can do this through Christ when you, when you have his strength. That's the only way. Listen, when we handle situations in our life in a biblical way, in a Christ-like way, you know what happens? We look like aliens. We look like aliens. And people say, who in the world are these people? I want to say this morning, you're not going to be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect. There are times when I felt like somebody slapped me across the cheek. Maybe not physically, but emotionally. And I've delivered a left hook back. And I've failed in that. Miserably. We're not going to be perfect. It's not going to happen. Right? It just can't. Because I still have a sin nature. I still have a sin nature. You still have a sin nature. We're still people that are humans that sin and do make wrong decisions, right? But And you're like, well, golly, this hasn't been encouraging at all. Well, here's the encouraging part. You know when it tells us we can do all this? It's not going to be here on this earth where we're going to be perfect because of that sin nature. Our text this morning in the next two verses tells us. It's in 1 John 3, 2 and 3. It said, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. When are we going to finally be perfected? When are you going to get the best Pastor Jeff that you can get in heaven? In heaven. It ain't going to be here. But that doesn't exclude us. From, that doesn't give me a pass. That doesn't say, what does Jesus say? Be perfect like your Father in heaven's perfect. 
So I know that if I've handled conflict the wrong way this time, the next time I need to handle it the right way. And if I get slapped across the right cheek and deliver the left hook, I need to learn from that and grow in my relationship with Christ and let him perfect me. And know that, look, when you're suffering a loss, you can do all things through him who gives you strength. Not hit the three-point shot, not get a new job, suffer for the sake of the kingdom is the context. We will be perfected when Jesus comes back and we're home with him. We're going to be like him. Listen, because of that hope, because of the love we now have for God, that should drive us to handle things like he would. That should drive us to handle situations in our life like he would. Why didn't they recognize Jesus? Because he didn't handle things the way the world did. They didn't know him. He handled things completely different. They didn't have the truth. Here's the verse that I think I'm going to keep sharing as the benediction for the next six months. Until you are saying it to your kids at home. Until we all have it memorized word for word, line by line. Ephesians 4.32. At the end of this context, what does Paul say? Be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. As God in Christ forgave you. When we are living this verse out as his children, it does things. What does it do? It reminds us of how much love God had for us and how much he forgave me from. It reminds me that I'm a mess and he continues to forgive me. It also makes us totally different from a lost and dying world. Because a lost and dying world isn't kind and tender-hearted and forgiving. The lost and dying world goes to war and kills and hates. That's not what we're supposed to do. Goes into the last point. Here's the last point. It's verses 4 through 10. Here's my simple term. You are what you do. You are what you do. He uses a phrase here, practice of sinning. The practice of sinning here in this text, you know what it means? It means habitual sin or constant sin. It doesn't mean that you're not going to sin against one another and you're not going to have a sin nature, right? This means living in habitual, unrepentant, unconfessed sin. John defines it in verse 6. He says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So he, he defines it there. Habitual sin is what? Lawlessness. Lawlessness is rebellion. If we were to have lawlessness out here, there would be absolute rebellion. If our city just had no, if they, and, and I know this is talked about across the country, we need to eliminate police departments, and it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And when the cities have done it, you know what's happened? People have ransacked stores. Like I had heard, it was either Seattle or Portland, I, I, I think it was Seattle, that Walgreens was pulling out of the city. Because they said, you guys won't protect our city, our, our, our stores. You let people come in and steal, and you don't arrest them. You know what that is? That's an example of a lawless city. Sodom and Gomorrah was a lawless city in Scripture. 
There was no law. They didn't recognize that there was any authority. That's what it is. Habitual sin is lawlessness. Lawlessness is rebellion. It's living like there's no law or ignoring God's laws and commands. Can you imagine if our whole town here just said, well, there's not a law. Everybody do what you want to do. Well, thankfully, we live in a country that we have what we call the Second Amendment that would put some of that in check. Right? Just being honest. But if you don't have that, what happens? There's complete anarchy and chaos. That is lawlessness. That's what it is. You know, when I look around our country and I look around our world and our community, I see moral lawlessness. Absolute moral lawlessness. Abortion. The sexual revolution going on. Men competing against women in sports. Cohabitation. You living like you're married, but you're not really. It's lawlessness, greed, lustfulness. We are truly living in a lost and dying world. And listen, that shouldn't surprise us. That shouldn't surprise us. It really shouldn't. It's our mission field. It's okay. It's our mission field. I don't get angry when I see lawlessness in a lost world. I just don't. I don't get angry about it. Because we should expect that. And we should share. That should compel us as aliens to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. What gets me upset? What gets me angry? And I pray that it's always righteous anger. Is that when people claim to be in Christ, claim to preach the gospel, but then live and promote lawlessness. You know, what I see all throughout scripture is that Jesus never spoke harshly to lost sinners. He just didn't. He loved them. He shared the truth with them. He told them to turn from their sin and trust in him. But he absolutely condemned religious leaders who lived in lawlessness and promoted it. That would twist his word. He spoke very hard to them. Read the whole chapter of Matthew 23. Listen, so, so when we say that, that, that somebody who's lost or, or living in unrepentant, rebellious sin should not stand behind this pulpit, that's right. Because then what would we be doing? We would be doing that we're promoting we're not a biblical church. We have to protect against lawlessness. When a church or religious leader is practicing lawlessness, promoting it, what is that, what is that happening? They're saying they aren't really in Christ. That's what the text says, that they're dead in their sins. That's what John is saying. And that's a major theme across these chapters about false teaching. In verse 8, it says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. So whoever's living in rebellion and lawlessness is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came and died so we could be free from lawlessness, so we could be free from the burden of sin to give us life and give it abundantly. I want to close with an example today of this. I'm sorry, my head's all clogged up. I probably won't shake your hands this morning because I don't want to give you any of your cold, okay? I want to close with this, though. There was a couple that I know dearly. 
And, and he, he said I could share this. He's not here today. He's not a member of this church, so I won't give you his name, but you may know him. I, me and, I hung out with him, went on double dates with him. I was friends with him for a very, very long time. Went to high school together. They got married. I was their best man. He was a professing Christian. Said he loved the Lord. The whole time he was dating her and in their marriage, he was living a double life. He was saying one thing, but his actions were completely different. He was living a life of adultery with the addiction of pornography. When I was in ministry, not at this church, but before, I, I tried to counsel him. I tried to help him. I tried to counsel him through it. It didn't work. Their marriage ended in divorce. I had to face the fact that my friend, one of my best friends, was lost, dying, headed to hell, living in sin. So I started sharing the gospel with the guy over and over and over and over. And he started attending services. He was very like, you know, yeah, I love Jesus, but yeah, I'll come to church once every two months. And never really, just, just really, nothing really showed about his life that he really loved the Lord. But he started coming every week. And I'd share the gospel with him. I'd pray for him. I'd serve communion. I'd serve the Lord's Supper. As I was serving the Lord's Supper, I'd walk by and he wouldn't take communion, which rightfully so he shouldn't have. Right? Not being in Christ. It would bring me to tears. Like I'd be trying to serve the Lord, Lord's Supper and people would look at me like, what's, he, what's the youth pastor crying about? We're just taking communion here, which is an important thing and can bring you to tears. But, uh, but I shared the gospel with him. And one week after I just hammered down on the guy, I mean, I hammered him good, right? I warned him about hell, and he was on his way, and nothing changed in him. I said that night, I said, God, this isn't about my ability to share. I just pray that you could work on him. Work on his heart. And I gave him, I, just, I pretty much just gave him to God, and I said, you know, Randy, I mentioned his name now, now you know. I said, Randy, I'm not... I'm done with you, dude. You know the truth. You're rejecting. You know I'm your buddy, but I'm moving on from this. To somebody who wants to hear the truth. About a month later, he ran up to me on a Wednesday night. And I'd been teaching the youth, and I was walking into the church. We had so many youth going in this old church. We had to buy a trailer. Remember the trailer, Abby? Yeah. Double-wide trailer that we had youth services in. And... uh he came running up to me and said, I'm professing Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And he was saved. And I'll never forget that night. Today, he is a worship leader leading worship at a Baptist church. Still a great friend. I tell you all that and I drag that out. Because he had to get real about his eternal destiny. Based on what the fruit of his life was showing he had, to, he had to acknowledge that God had not saved him. He hadn't, he hadn't professed Jesus as Lord and Savior. Well, God saved him. So I, I, I end with this. Maybe you're here today, and your life doesn't show that you're in Christ. What your life shows is that you're lost. Well, I ask, are you? Are you? Maybe you're, maybe you're here and you know someone that's living in lawlessness that claims to be a believer. Scripture says they're not. 
as true followers of Christ, we have this built-in check system that keeps us from habitual sin. It's like a check engine light on a warning car that there's a problem. You know what it's called? It's called the Holy Spirit. And in verse 9, as I close with our text, it says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. What is that seed that God planted? It's the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. You have a check engine light that keeps you from living in habitual sin. So I ask as I close today, I'm going to have the worship team come. Are you a child of God? Or are you of the world in lawlessness and rebellion? Here's the recap. God's love has made us his children. His work on the cross, his resurrection, we're adopted. Does the world look at you and say, who are you? Are you so radically different in this world because of Jesus? And they don't recognize you. Let me say as I finish this, you are what you do. If you live in lawlessness and are practicing lawlessness, then you are lawless. God has placed himself in us as a form of the Holy Spirit that convicts us when we sin, that won't allow us to live in habitual sin. If you are living in habitual sin today, you know what you do? You confess your sin to God. You turn from it. You put your faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross. And his love saves you. That's the gospel. You believe that he died on the cross for you and he rose again. Maybe you're here today and you know people in your life that are lost. You know what I had to do with Randy? Pray for him. You need to pray for him. We're going to have a prayer service Wednesday night. You need to pray for him. I'm going to ask you to stand. Let's pray. And if you need to come this morning, whatever reason you can, I don't have to pray for you. I'm more than happy to. If you want to pray by yourself, you can do that. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, this morning for your word. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that gives us a check engine light. Mine's been on this week. And on this week about sin, not handling things maybe the right way or not showing enough love. And so, Lord, I, I pray. Pray for forgiveness for that. In front of our body, I don't have a problem acknowledging when I don't handle things the right way, and sometimes I just don't. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that's lost, today be the day they believe in you. Lord, let us stir each other up to love and good works. God, in, in the midst of trial, this week you also showed some amazing things of faithfulness of this body on Sunday and Wednesday. That only happens, Lord, because you're working in the hearts of people in this room. And the faithfulness and, and discipleship. Lord, I thank you for that. Praise you for that this week. Let's focus on that. God, we love you and I thank you. In your name I pray.
Amen. Thank you, guys. Robert and Stephanie and kiddos, come on up here if you would. Um, Robert and Stephanie, you guys have seen them around for a while, and they have actually been helping uh, cook, I know, on Wednesday nights, and I've seen the kids here serving, and Robert, and they've come this morning uh, wanting to join this local body of believers uh, in our missions that we're doing. And it's an exciting time for the church when this happens. That's why it's an exciting time. It is. So new member class will start next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Do you have anything you guys want to say? Uh, we love Jesus Christ, and we're so happy to become members of this body. And we want to not just learn, but we want to help you guys. If there's anything we can do, our door is always open. Praise God. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. He is the King of Kings. Amen. Thank you. Anything, Stephanie? Do you want to say anything? No. Okay. All right. Uh, you guys stay up here because I know everyone's going to want to come and welcome you in. Uh, and and I, I'm encouraged this morning. I really, really am. I'm encouraged by the people that came forward to pray. And uh, I want you to pray for James and Pashance. They're going to be getting married uh, later on this month. And uh, I, I, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not going to embarrass him, but I got after James really hard a few months ago. I did. And, and I, I'm going to share this testimony. We needed to, right? And, and there was uh, church discipline came down because of some things. And uh, you know what? Faithfulness of God bringing them back. And now they're getting married. And this is exactly how it's supposed to play out, church. It really is. And I want to use that as an example of what God can do. Uh, in, in working in people's lives when they repent, they get down on their knees and say, Lord, forgive me, be merciful to me because I'm a sinner. And when you do that, man, he works in your life and he changes you and he sets you on the right course. And so I encourage you today, uh, it, it maybe you're, you got something going on that you just need to do that. He, he'll change the course for you, okay? Uh, here's the benediction. I'm telling you, it's going to be up here for six months. You know why it's going to be up here for six months? Not because you all necessarily need it, because I need it, because I need it, because I'm not always kind or tenderhearted and forgiving like I should. And so here's my reminder, Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. That's a reminder. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Alan Greenfield, if you would, close us in prayer this morning. I'm going to fist bump you on your way out, okay? Because I'm all clogged up and I've been snotting this morning, okay? So, Alan, close us in prayer, brother. Our holy heavenly Father, we, we truly love you, Father. And, Father, what a, what a joy it is here to be gathered together with all our brothers and sisters here at this place called Crossroad. Father, help us always to walk humbly before you and do what's right. Father, I just pray that as we receive this message today, that we would go out and that we would apply it to our lives and share it with the lost world, Father, so that we might bring glory and honor to your name. Take us all safely home, bring us back again, and forgive us, Father, when we fail you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.